right, and welcome back to another episode of Marky Mark and the Fitness Bunch. Today we are here with Serena Marie R.D. She's going to be talking to us about something that I don't talk about at all, which is running. Uh, everyone knows that has followed me a long time, knows that like I'm not the biggest fan of running, but I'm really excited to hear this approach and how she's kind of put an anti-diet approach to running as well. Serena, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello there. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I um, am a dietitian, but I became a dietitian because I fell in love with running um, nearly 20 years ago in high school. Um, so I started running, which got me into science and nutrition, which got me into the field of becoming a dietitian. And nowadays I'm a running coach um, and intuitive eating expert. And I basically help diet or, or I help runners break up with dieting and learn how to stop fearing food, how to stop hating their body and learning how to actually fuel for their best performance ever. So um, totally can understand though where you're coming from, where you have this uh, disdain for running. I hear that a lot actually. Yeah, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying running is like bad for everybody. I'm just saying I don't like <laughs> it. And but mm -hmm. if other people want to run, like that's totally fine. I've just, I for me, I've never gotten that like endorphin rush that I think people talk about. Like it's never, you know, for me, it's just like 30 minutes of like something I'm really bad at and have no natural <laughs> talent. And I just mm -hmm. like, um, there, there was a short period of time where I tried to get into it and it just like wasn't my thing. And uh, lifting weights has always been kind of the the thing that I've enjoyed the most. And I talk a lot about that on the podcast is that like people should train on things that they enjoy because it's easier to stick mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So, and if, that, if that's running for someone, then I think that's totally fine. I do want to talk about like kind of the anti-diet approach that how it relates to running and just runners in general. Because for me, when I see the approach, the way that I have created a new solution to like, I guess, what would be considered diet culture is I really focus on strength. I really focus mm -hmm. on weight on the bar, like someone being able to do pull-ups or push-ups for the first time, or someone who is, you know, basically like breaking limits in like a strength aspect. So mm -hmm. can you kind of talk to me about like what the anti-diet approach looks like from like the running dynamic? Yeah. You know, I have like a bunch of different ways to answer this question. So um, I think I'm going to start with why I became an anti-diet dietitian. And, you know, um, when, I was do, a, yes. <laughs> when I was a, a baby dietitian, like 10 years ago, um, I started with the traditional like calorie counting, macro tracking, big into my fitness pal. And, you know, the reason I had initially started running was because I was on my own weight loss journey. And I find that for a lot of people, the reason they start running is because they're on a weight loss journey. Um, so, you know, losing weight and running were kind of tied together for me. And I found that to be true for a lot of the people I was working with. Now, the problem here, and I'm sure Mark, you can even speak more to this than I can, is that you can only get so far with cardio, right? And eventually someone's going to hit a plateau and their metabolism is going to adjust for all this cardio you're doing. And um, people then were like, I want to keep losing weight. I'm going to keep losing weight. And um, I was kind of running into this roadblock where I was actually recommending, okay, well, then I think you need to start adding strength training to increase your metabolism, to help with um, anabolism. And, and runners were really resistant to it because runners like to run and it's really hard to get them into the gym. And so I was kind of at this like, you know, this odd place where I was like, listen, if you're like running and this makes you happy, 
and you're healthy doing it, then why are you so fixated on continuing to, you know, change your body? And it really was just stuck in this, like, um, this desire to be thinner or to, you know, look a certain way. And that was like the obsession rather than celebrating the fact that they ran a marathon, they ran a half marathon, they were getting faster, they were, you know, running longer miles or whatever. Um, so I realized that I no longer wanted to be a part of this. Um, I didn't want to participate in it anymore because now my focus is helping people to learn how to listen to their body, how to use nutrient timing and sports nutrition um, to either prophylactically fuel their body or to really kind of understand how to set up a plate so that they can optimize recovery and performance and kind of teach them that however your body looks when you're fueling correctly and you're doing the sport you love, which usually is running when they're working with me, then we need to learn how to accept and honor and love that body. Um, and, and so that's kind of why I got into anti-diet culture was because um, these people that I was working with, they, they're healthy people. And it was the fixation with changing their body to look a certain way that was actually tripping them up. It wasn't the fact that they actually needed nutrition to, you know, become healthier. Um, it, it was more like this unhealthy obsession with having a certain body type. Yeah, absolutely. So, so your experience has been that the running was like a means to an end in terms of weight loss. Like that was kind of like, it wasn't necessarily the, like, I want to get a good, you know, 10 mile run or like get a good like marathon time. It was like, you're doing the marathon because the end result would be weight loss. Is that like kind of the experience that you've seen? Well, I think that's where a lot of people start with running is they're, they're starting sure. to run to lose weight. And at, and at one point it works well. And then you get to that, that place where you're running those half marathons and those marathons. And that's usually when you've gotten enough experience and your metabolism has adjusted enough where maybe it's no longer the most effective means of weight loss. But now at this point, these people have fallen in love with the sport. And, you know, it's my job to kind of help us detangle these two things because you can be a runner who loves to run and can get really excited about their times and they do care about their times like these people as they're also chasing um faster prs and faster marathon times and half marathon times and starting to ultra run they still are fixated in losing weight and you know it's my job to kind of teach them like we can't do both of these things at the same time and you you get to a point where rather than just constantly saying i need to push harder and restrict more and I need to eat less in order to shrink my body, you know, that's no longer actually serving you at this point. Now it's actually setting you up for injury and for lots of other like bad side effects. Yeah. And I think absolutely. Cause I think like the, the solution to what, you know, increasing that race time, a lot of people come to the conclusion of, well, I need to be smaller mm -hmm. and under fuel and expend more calories. And it's kind of like you're, you're increasing the expenditure which we should mean that you should fuel more, but people are like, no, I need to like eat less and do more training. And that's a, like a very, you know, like unhealthy situation because now you're training harder than ever, but you're unable to rely on the fuel you would like to rely on. And um, that exists for strength training as well, is that it really is one of those things that's like, as you get stronger, like you, you, you do need to fuel. Like, I think it's one of those mm -hmm. things that's like, it's hard to lift 200, 300 pounds uh, as a woman, if you like, don't have the right nutrients, like that really does become a barrier. 
Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, like, and I'm looking at this from the outside. So feel free to correct yeah. me if I'm not explaining the running culture properly, but like, I've definitely heard conversations on like runners to increase their running time need to become smaller, that the weight of their mm -hmm. body is what's holding back their running time from becoming mm -hmm. like it becoming faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when, you know, like my experience is that like, like, yes, there's like the weight culture and looking a certain way, but that is also like been a caveat that I've heard of in the running culture. Is that something that comes up to you, with you? Yeah, absolutely. So people are like, I want to get faster. I need to lose weight because when I'm, when I'm thinner and lighter, I have less weight to pull, to push around and therefore I become faster. And I think what right. you and I are both describing is there's this U-shaped curve, right? Where like, you know, you're too heavy, um, and I hate to even use that terminology, but like at one end of your weights that you can weigh, you're maybe slowing yourself down. But as you get thinner, thinner is now also better, right? There's that perfect point in the middle where the U is, where, you know, you're at that weight that's ideal for you, where you're going to have that optimized performance. And as you get thinner, you again, start to compromise your ability to, um, to be a speedy runner. And this is because, you know, as we get to a certain point where we're, where we're really thin, we're compromising our lean body mass, our muscle mass, which is an important part of, um, you know, fueling our performance. And then also if you're restricting in order to achieve that body habitus that's so light, um, you're not getting enough fuel to actually, you know, fuel the machine, right? It's like not putting gas in the car, that analogy. Um, so it's really finding that place in the middle. And the way we find that place in the middle isn't by putting you on a 1200 calorie diet and sending you off on a high volume training plan. It's by putting food into the system and letting your body use up that food to fuel your performance and being consistent with your training and being consistent with your rest and being consistent with your fueling and seeing what your body looks like when it's at that perfect point on that you. You can't just assume that the thinner I am, the better my performance is because then you're compromising your um, literal ability to perform as well as a bunch of other functions in your body, like your immune system and, um, you know, your reproductive system, et cetera. But people tend to just care about performance. <laughs> Non-running activity is also important. I think like that's one of the things as well. And I, I think where this could possibly come from is that when you look at like the most elite runners in the world, right? Like we're mm -hmm. talking the top echelon, like genetically mm -hmm. perfect for running the, like in the Olympics kind of example is that like, we do tend to see like a very small frame. Like if we mm -hmm. look at the 5K runners, 10K, like they don't tend. To, and I think the idea is that people are extrapolating that to their own journey where mm -hmm. they take a look at the top and like kind of that U-shaped curve you were talking about is that like, if you wanna be the absolute best in the world, like that might have to be a sacrifice you have to make and not a healthy one, but a performance one. But for anybody who's, you know, you're within the norms, you're a good runner, but you're not like the best in the world, like sacrificing yourself to that low body weight um, can only do harm and is a not worth the struggle. Is that like fair to say? Yeah, but I also think um, it's not fair for us to compare ourselves to those, you know, Olympi Olympian runners because um, I almost would say like the way they're achieving that body type is it often is through a healthier means than what you and I are assume. I mean, not you and me, but maybe like what the average Joe is assuming when they see that person, like yeah. they're, they're maybe assuming, oh, that person's on a low calorie diet and they're training a lot and that's how they look so thin. But what I would argue is that person is probably 
fueling meticulously. So they're getting their pre-workout carbs in, they're doing their workout, they're fueling with their carbs, they're getting their post-workout protein and carbohydrate, they're fueling consistently throughout the day, they're strength training in addition to high mileage training. Like their their body has a lot of muscle mass, lean muscle, but it's muscle that's like sure. eating up those calories. They're not like laying around starving themselves um they're fueling their workouts just really meticulously and that's why they have this long lean physique and i think for the average runner we don't have the time to do two workouts a day most days of the week we don't have access to the jacuzzis and the massages and the personal chef to kind of support looking like that um but but it's not because those people are just like have really good willpower and are really hungry all the time and running a lot. They have access to resources that the average Joe doesn't. Right. And I think like that, I absolutely agree with you. Like the comparison to the top echelon of people, I think is not a good idea in like any capacity, mm -hmm. right? Like you can even do this for mm -hmm. strength training as well. Is that like, if you, if you want to feel strong as a human being, comparing yourself to the strongest people in your weight category is not the way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. because you'll find the top echelon of people and you'll find people who, um, you know, genetics resources, right. whatever reason, like it's not a fair comparison to yourself. And mm -hmm. I think like, mm -hmm. um, that absolutely makes sense. I want to talk about like a bit about the fueling as well. Cause like when I normally yeah. talk to runners, um, mm -hmm. it is very like kind of what you're talking is like carbs are very like meticulously timed and also like measured, um, like, like you were talking about protein, things like that. And like a lot of them really do focus on like a calorie or a macro approach to their training, especially if they're mm -hmm. trying to improve running times, mm -hmm. which the anti-diet approach I know, at least like from like what I've had from previous guests and for myself is that like really does not love calorie counting or macro tracking or anything along those lines. So mm -hmm. from the anti-diet perspective, how would you make sure that a runner is properly fueled if that's not the tools that you're using? So we talk about, um, so, so there's like a multi-step process here, right? And, and so everyone starts at a different place. So for some people, when I'm working with them, they're super afraid of food. They have a million food rules. And before we even talk about sports nutrition, we just figure out how to break through some of these barriers that they've set up with themselves and giving them um, permission to eat. So we have to do that work first and foremost. But once we, um, once an athlete and I have worked together and in my virtual private practice, and we have figured out how to break through those food rules, then we start talking about how to understand how food makes us feel. And this is a really important part of intuitive eating, you know, and, and Mark, I don't think you think this way. Um, and I'm not sure if your listener, if the listener would, but some people think intuitive eating is I eat ice cream and chips and <laughs> cookies. And because I can eat whatever I want, I'm just a, on a junk food diet. And in honest, in actuality, an intuitive eater is really good at listening to their body and understand what their body craves and understanding how food makes their body feel and understanding how food affects their energy and their digestion. So similarly, once uh, an athlete and I have figured out how to break through those food rules, we start to listen to how our body feels when we put certain foods into our body. And a really common thing I hear with my runners is, I joke around, I call it runger, but they're always hungry. Like, they're constantly hungry. And so we start to build plates where we're like, oh, like, did you notice that when you increase the intake of carb on that plate, your hunger is satisfied for longer? And so rather than it being like a, we 
we don't talk about the calories or the macros. We talk about, hey, did you realize the portion on your plate when it's a little larger after, not a little larger, when it's larger after that long run, didn't that keep you satisfied longer? And did you realize when you paired it with a protein, it was that you were really satisfied for much longer? And, you know, those kinds of tips and tricks where we're talking about and it looks different for every person, right? Some people like big meals, some like people like small meals, whatever, whatever, but really paying attention to how different foods make their body feel and paying attention to how um, nutrient timing can actually be an act of self-care because when we get our timing down, our performance is better. We feel better because we have more energy and we're not hungry all the time. So after we break through those food rules, we just simply pay attention to how different foods impact our performance and our recovery and our satiety. And then we stick with those patterns that we've noticed have made us feel better. Yeah, I think that's like a really good explanation because I think like when I talk to running coaches, like, or running coaches or the, the, the runners themselves, even at like mm-hmm. the beginner level, trying to move up, like not even just like people competing is that I hear like what their macro timing is, like they need exactly like 30 to 60 grams of protein post or of carbs post-workout, maybe protein too. Um, They have like a very like meticulous, like I eat this many calories. This is when I, this is how many carbs I get a day because I'm an, I'm a runner, which means that my carbon take tends to be higher and they tend to a lot of diet that is higher carbs, like moderate to medium protein and then like low fat. And I think like, Mm -hmm when we're talking about the individual and the runner, like kind of your approach sounds like we're letting your body dictate that. Like you're mm-hmm. like, we can, we can talk about what the theoretical in a lab result might be on average for runners, but really that doesn't matter because you were not necessarily the average human being as a runner. And I think like, that's, you know, um, is that like the general vibe that kind of from your approach, like, is that, is that a fair yeah. like assessment of like what you would do instead? Yeah, I I always tell all of my athletes, like your body ultimately is the boss here. So even if you know how to set up your plate post hard workout um, with like, you know, the more optimal, um, you know, distribution of getting enough protein, getting enough carbs, but you just have a craving for like a vanilla milkshake. I say like, go drink the vanilla milkshake. Like who cares, right? Like this doesn't have to be perfect. Like you do, you do have your vanilla milkshake. You satisfy your craving to me, you know, that's, just as important as understanding the sports nutrition. And I think having that permission um, is really like where this also can kind of differ from diet culture where, you know, if you're on a diet, you're being told, oh my God, if you do that, that's a really bad decision. Why did you do that? Don't you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And almost just having that permission, like if I didn't want to get my, you know, my carbs and my protein and my fat right now, and I just wanted to have a dang milkshake, like that's okay. Um, I think that really like takes the pressure off. I think so much of this is just in our own head. And when I'm working with people, it's not just about telling them like how to listen to their body, but it's also about giving them permission and giving them grace and compassion with the choices they're making and working on that perfectionistic mindset. We get so hung up on you know, we need to eat a certain way because we need to look a certain way and working on rewiring those thoughts so that those things just feel a little less important. And like, you can just enjoy food and eat it because it's yummy. And you're also going to get the perk that it's fueling your workouts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like really, really the message that I've really seen with just intuitive ears across the board is that 
really intuitive eating has nothing to do with how much you weigh. Like if anything, it's uh-huh. moving away from that as much as possible. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like, like regardless of who I've talked to and like I've had other people on the podcast, like ex bodybuilders or like ex strength athletes, things like that with the anti diet approach. And like, they've all kind of said is that like the weight on the scale has no relevance to what the journey is about. Like, mm-hmm or as little as possible. Some people are in weight class sports and they have no choice, but like, that's been the general vibe that I've been getting. Is that like what you would say as well as kind of like your approach to anti, the anti-diet approach? Like you're trying to move away from like how much they weigh? Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, it it depends on the person. Some people, the scale, it doesn't bother them. And we'll use the scale for, for hydration calculations, but I have athletes that are like, if I step on the scale, it's going to really trigger me. And so we just literally don't use the scale at all, but the scale is completely unimportant. Yeah. Because we're just listening to how you feel. Right. So if you're like, Oh, the holiday season after the holiday season, I feel like bloated and uncomfortable. And like, I feel like I'm not eating in a way where my energy is good. That's important information. And there's lots of things we can do with an intuitive eating to help you feel better. We can increase your water intake. We can, we can look at how many vegetables you're eating. We can look at your sleep. We can look at, you know, your activity levels, right? It doesn't have to be, well, step on the scale and how many pounds did you gain over the holidays? Oh my God, you gained so much weight. What's wrong with you? We got to put you on a restricted diet. Like, you know, people tend to think if they don't look at the scale, then they have nothing to work towards and they're just giving up. But with intuitive eating, we're like, no, you can still take care of yourself. You can still have a lot to, you know, tweak and and experiment with, and you can get stronger or fitter or faster. It's just not having this numerical value tied to anything because, and I'm sure Mark, you see this too. The skill really is such a like, Uh, a mind game because somebody could lose inches off their waist and never lose any weight. And that's not what I do in my practice, but, but I know that is true. So the scale really is not helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I've made this comment in the past, but you know, it's, it's concerning when people go on the scale and it's basically like time to measure my self-worth today. Like that's the Mm -hmm. thing that I'm really concerned about. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to ask like a very self-serving question here. Um, when yeah. I talk to runners, um, sometimes I think I find it challenging to explain the benefits to runners, like why they should do strength training. And I think like, mm-hmm. that's like, I think there's, especially cause like runners, especially like when they talk about their training regime, um, and this doesn't exist just for runners, but like running, like if it's not running, it's like mm-hmm. not training. Like, like it's not like. Um, I've seen this with like other sports as well. Um, this is definitely, can you kind of explain like why a runner should also incorporate some level of strength training? Yeah. And I think you're like, you're speaking to the converted, but I also definitely remember the period of my life where if it wasn't running, it wasn't good enough. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think part of this has to do with diet culture where when you're running, you have this like um safety of like if I go running for 20 minutes I'm burning 200 calories versus if you're in a gym it doesn't quite feel the same way right and like we know that you're doing lots of really awesome things to your body and it's absolutely necessary but I think for runners it doesn't feel like 
this rewarding of those 20, for those 20 minutes, I get back 200 calories that I can eat in my diet. And that's part of the reason I sure. make people move away from that. Um, but yeah, strength training helps to prevent injury. Strength training can actually like increase. Um, so it can help strengthen like our hamstrings and our glutes and our core so that we can support ourselves and we can run those further distance without getting tired and have that better form. Um, it can strengthen our legs so that we can have more of that force when we hit the ground to prevent injury. Um, you know, it's an awesome way to increase fitness while not putting those miles on our legs because those miles on our legs, um, you know, our, our, our goal is kind of to run uh, lesser miles, but still get the same benefit of that speed and whatever the person's trying to achieve there. So if you can use strength training to kind of get some of those, um, those, those achievements, that's, that's a good pro. Um, and Mark, you probably know <laughs> even more than I do about why runners should be strength training, but, but that's kind of where I would, what I would recommend. No, I think it's good to hear like from a runner yourself. Like it's kind of one of those things that um, I, when I, when I talk to runners about like why they should strength train, most mm -hmm. of the time I talk to them because like it allows you to keep running. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of those things that like running really is one of like running is like more high impact than we, we want it. Mm -hmm. We think it might be. And it's one of those things that's like, you want to make sure that your legs are strong in a way that allows you to keep running for long periods of time that allows you to not break down over periods of time. Cause like what, what I have seen as like a general trend is people who get really, really into running. They're doing 10, 20, like 30 K um, on the regular, but don't do some kind of stretching or some kind of strength training is that they end up getting hurt in some capacity, whether it's knee, hip, like whatever it might be. And then they end up having to do some kind of strength training almost because of the injury. Uh -huh. And I've kind of always talked about like, well, if you, if you want to be a runner forever, I'm not saying you have to do like six days a week, hardcore strength, powerlifting uh -huh. kind of training, but there should be kind of some kind of response to the high impact sport that is running. That's always been like the route that I've always gone with it. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I think it just has to do with like old school, new school, I think. And sure. I think we're pretty much past this um, point in the running coach world where I think all running coaches now accept that strength training is a must and it must be um, taught to their athletes and it must be encouraged. But I do think there was an old school where, you know, runners just run and like, you don't have to worry about strength training, do a few pushups and that's it. Um, and, um, but I know when I got certified in run coaching, we had like a big thing all about strength training. So I do think okay. it's encouraged. It I just think athletes, I mean, runners love to run and it's hard to like, it's even hard for them to say like, okay, but when am I going to do it? Cause I want to run five days a week. So like, when am I going to do my strength training and really like working with the athlete to figure out, okay, like, okay. Like, can we get 10, 20 minutes in, like at the end of the short workout day or whatever. Um, I think it's more like a timing thing too, like a running out of time. Um, and when is it? Cause they, they want to run most days. <laughs> Yeah. And I think like, if your running is already taking an hour, the idea that you would add another 20, 30 minutes of strength training is mm -hmm. like quite a feat. I've kind of done the same thing where if there's a shorter running day, like I would combine the strength training on those days because mm -hmm. what's not going to happen is they'll decrease their amount of running days. That's not right. what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Like what? And I don't think it needs to be that approach either. Like I'm more just mm -hmm. into like, like let's add in some strength training. It does not need to be super difficult. You don't need to become like super, super strong, 
but even just like a little bit of resistance training just allows you to stay safe um, so that you can keep running. And I think like, that's like, I think mm-hmm. what's resonated with them the most is that like, if you, you got to talk the language of the runner, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the, like, you can't like, you know, I, I think that, you know, th- this is how I feel about like a lot of, you know, when people talk about the benefits of training in general, I think like you really do have to make it individual to the human being. Like mm-hmm. if I'm talking to someone about increasing their bone density through strength training and they don't care about that, then like, we're just not going to meet right? Like you Mm -hmm. have to talk about like why strength training will give you whatever goal you're looking towards. And for runners, for me, that's been like, this allows you to keep running. This allows you to run forever. This is like essentially like the insurance policy towards your running routine is like the way that I see it. And that like to make sure that like nothing goes wrong. Um, On your end, what advice would you give to people who are runners now? Maybe they're not as familiar with the anti-diet approach what would you like and they're maybe they're concerned that they won't be fueled properly by the anti-diet approach like what what would you kind of say to those people you know i I think you have to be open to the anti-diet approach in order to um like be willing to learn about it because it is so different than i think when people go searching for nutrition like on the internet, they want rules. And so the idea to work with an anti-diet dietitian that's not gonna give you rules, I think it can seem like kind of unnerving. Um, But what I would say to those people is if the way you're currently doing your nutrition, it feels obsessive, it feels cumbersome, it feels like you're thinking about food all the time, you're hungry all the time, um, it feels like food is taking up a lot of like the thoughts in your head, then I think you really should strongly consider the anti-diet approach because we can get you PRs, we can get you results, we can help you feel really good in your body, and you're going to learn how to listen to your body. So you're not going to need to like, you know, hang, uh, call up your dietitian, go to google.com to figure out what to do next. You're going to learn like what your body is trying to tell you and what kind of foods you need to nourish your body in that proper way. Um, we don't have to sacrifice sports nutrition um, just because we're not tracking macros or calories. And I think that's something that um, sounds really scary, but for those of us who have gotten stuck in that obsessive world where food and hunger and what to eat next and how to eat next feels like one of the, you know, the, the most pressing things that they're thinking about all day, that's not normal or healthy. Like there's so much more to life than just like worrying about food nonstop. So um, hopefully to those people who are listening, if, if that's you, um, you'll be willing to kind of try something to break out of that. Um, so you can spend your time thinking about other things like how to research your next race if there's ever races ever again. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, what your yeah, track yeah, yeah. gonna Back be like rather than the food. Future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's absolutely great advice. Where can people find you? What's like, if they're looking for more information on this, what's the best way to like either contact you or like what's, what kind of platforms are you like most commonly on? Yeah. So I'm obsessed with um, Instagram. So at Serena Marie RD, Serena spelt like the tennis player. Um, so I spent a lot of time on Instagram. I do have a blog, um, serenamarierd.com. You can find me on Facebook. I have a really active Facebook community where I do lots of free training. So if you DM me on Instagram, I can um, hook you up with that Facebook group. Um, but yeah, Instagram is probably the best place to hang out with me. 
Awesome. Yeah. Listen, I've really appreciated having you on here. It's been like a very like similar, but unique approach at the same time. Um, so I just want to say thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's been such a delight to get to know you better. Um, you know, I found Mark because one of my friends worked with him and was just absolutely raving about his approach to um, strength training. So um, it's been an honor to collaborate with you today. Thank you. That's very flattering. I appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> our, our mutual friend, Rebecca, is such a, a such a nice person. So I, I, I feel very flattered she was bragging about me to her other friends. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, this has been another episode of Marky Mark and the Fitness Bunch. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you find the podcast beneficial, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash markymark and the fitness bunch. It really does go a long way and helps us to put out more podcast episodes as well as bringing on more guests and just making sure that the podcast keeps helping you in your fitness journey. Again, that's patreon.com slash markymark and the fitness bunch. But otherwise, thanks again for listening to the episode and see you soon.